The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello, and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, recording this on Wednesday, November 30th, the last day of November in the last November basketball game for the Atlanta Hawks is tonight, which after falling to the Philadelphia 76ers, better effort, better energy, but little minute things that caused them to lose the game on Monday. Now the Hawks are in a three-game losing streak. The sky is seemingly falling here in Atlanta. And now the cries for Naaman Millen to be fired continue to grow louder and louder. Even though his team is still above 500 right now for the time being. Um, they did fall t- to eighth place in the Eastern Conference, which is... Um, which is frustrating. It's frustrating, especially from where they were and how they've been losing games and who they've been losing games to. You have every right to be upset. And as I said the last episode, I'm not going to really rehash it. Everyone is to blame. Is the head coach that many of you guys want fire to blame? Absolutely. The reason why they lost down the stretch were lack of execution, lack of play calling, Turnovers and missed free throws. The play calling and the execution, you can point at the coach. I know they travel a lot. Practice time isn't what it used to be in the NBA. So working against zone defenses, that's something you work on in training camp. You may have an extra day or so to kind of have a crash course in it. And a lot of these guys have played basketball for years and have seen zones and whatnot, but still, you need a plan of attack to attack it. And there's a lot of times where, and many times, where this team just seems ill-equipped to attack the zone. That's on Nate McMillan. When you think about the lack of offensive creativity, that's a philosophy flaw on Nate McMillan. You can point to him on that. But as far as other things in this in this three-game losing streak, when you look at each game, they lost each game different ways. Houston, it was rebounding, it was defense. Miami. Miami was just, I mean, a, a team playing. Lack of offensive execution against the zone, lack of adjustments, and pretty much getting out coached. You can point to that game and say, hey, Nate McMillan could have done XYZ better. And in Philadelphia, late game execution, missed free throws, and a lot of turnovers. Blame the goal all around in these three losses. And I 
am one of the few people who are willing to say what it is as far as Trey Young. And I said last episode, Trey Young's decision making and control over games, it takes steps forward, but takes steps back, especially when he feels the pressure when the other team is on a run and he wants to press the issue. And a lot of people point to that lob on the inbound play that I don't think was the play. I just think that was Trey Young trying to make something happen. And it just wasn't the best decision. That was probably one of the that was the worst decision of the game for him. But he didn't have a terrible game, you know, decision making. Now, DeJounte Murray had a bad game decision making with a lot of turnovers. And I would get that exact number. I know it's north of seven. That is on him. But one thing is for certain, and I tweeted this out and people have agreed. Something is clearly not working. The offense has regressed. The defense is not as bad as people think, but late game execution continues to plague this team. And as I continue to say, I continue to see no leadership on the court or on the bench with this coaching staff right now, which is why a change is imminent if it continues to persist this way. Now, like I said on the last episode, and I basically spoke that real. If you are one of the people that want Nate McMillan fired, you need to be rooting for this Hawks team to fail. You need to. That's the harsh reality of it. And I mean, you guys know I'm a very positive person, but I got to call it for what I see it. All of you people scapegoating Nate McMillan when I want to say 35, 40% of it is his fault. You need to be cheering for the Hawks to lose out miss the playoffs, you're probably rooting for an internal conflict to come out or whatever. You're rooting for whatever is going to get him out of the helm for the Atlanta Hawks. And certainly, if you want to help, you know, your cause, you're going to root for an Orlando Magic game that has gotten bigger than it needs to be this early in the season because of this three-game losing streak and the importance of ending this skid playing against a Orlando Magic team that is has some talent, has a lot of talent. Bo Bo's been playing well. We know about Paolo. I mean, they're getting players back from injury, um, and I'm going to pull up the injury report right now. I mean, the Magic are 5-16, and 16, but we cannot look at records. After losing to the Houston Rockets just a few days ago, we don't have the luxury to look at records and, and peg wins at this point. We don't. I mean, the Magic, as of right now, will still have Wendell Carter out and Jalen Suggs out, Mo Bamba's day-to-day, but Bo Bo has been playing very well. Like I said, you have the rookie Paolo Bontero, who has been playing really well, Franz Wagner, um, and others. Like I said, they have some talent, and certainly this is going to be a team that's going to be motivated to win after how they battled against you the last time they played in Atlanta. Yes, right now they're on a five-game losing streak. But like I said, we don't have the luxury of looking at records. One of these two teams is going to end their losing streak tonight. I hope it's the Hawks because that's a really bad loss against the Orlando Magic, even though it's on the road. They're 4-7 and seven at home. That's good. The Hawks are 4-6 and six on the road. Not great. Something's going to have to give. 
And like I said, this is a very, very important game for the Hawks. And then when you just reflect on the 76ers loss, they led by 19 points on Monday. The Hawks had six players in double digits, shot 50% from the floor and 44% from three and lost. Yes, they played better than they did in previous games, but they lost another winnable game on things that they can control and they being players on the court can control for the most part. I'm going to take a quick break, recap some of those things from last game, look ahead to tonight, and then we're going to get you out really here quickly with this episode today. But you already know the drill first, this plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you, I'm in several fantasy leagues, and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash. Or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. Three-game losing streak. It sucks. It does. I mean, there's no way to shape it. Like I said, now your Atlanta Hawks that were in the top four for the majority of this earlier early regular season is now eighth place. Now, in hindsight, they're only two games back from the three from the three seed. So they can string some games together, have some other things fall into place, and boom. Back in the top four. And between the three seed and the ten seed is only three games separating. So it's a massive logjam in the Eastern Conference. And actually, when you really look at it, between the three seed and the 11 seed where the Miami Heat are, who just beat us, it's still three games. So it's a massive shuffle right now. There's a lot of teams playing well early on. So it's imperative for the Hawks to play well and win games, especially winnable games. But it's not a death sentence like a lot of people want it to be so they could justify Damon Millen being gone. And I've already said this is a make or break year for Damon Millen. He has to get this team to play well or else there may be a change. In the last three games, and actually they lost four of the last five, they have not played well. 
They have not played like a team that trusts each other, that trusts in their scheme. And that is a re direct reflection of Nate Miller and these players' buy-in. There is a disconnect there. There is a slight gap. And I was having a conversation yesterday with a buddy of mine talking just about how great the player development is in Toronto and how that coaching staff has a plan for each player. They know where each player is the most effective on the floor, and they constantly drill things in individual work where that player works to get themselves into their spots, whether it's in an offensive set or them creating their own shot, getting to their spots and hitting a shot that they know that they can hit in their sleep. So then one, their number is called in late game situations and they run that set for that player to get that ball in that spot. They have the confidence to make that shot. We don't have an offense that is predicated on that. We do a lot of pick and roll action. It's a lot of two man, maybe three man action where the other two or three players that are not involved in the direct action are kind of standing aside. That is the same from last year. That is something I wanted to change, and it has not changed. I hoped it would change with Joe Pronti being elevated up, and it has not. Those are sets that you want called out of the timeout instead of what we saw to, to end the game in Philadelphia. I mean, the lack of planning, a lack of execution, there's plenty of blame to go around. And I think it's too much being placed on these players to go out and make a play. These are a lot of young players still on this team. And Nate McMillan is old school. He wants more vets. So he doesn't necessarily need to teach. He just wants them to go out there and play. And that's not the reality of this roster that's constructed right now. There are a mixture of vets, a mixture of young guys, emerging stars. It's a microchasm of a lot of different pieces which most teams need to succeed. But you still have to teach, you still have to coach, you still have to create opportunities for this team. And that is something that I could point to Nate McMillan specifically and say, hey, that is on you. And that was evident down the stretch against the 76ers. I mean, and after the first quarter, the Hawks lost every other quarter points-wise. They had a great start in the first quarter. And I even tweeted, let's see if they can keep this up. And I told you how well they shot from the floor, but it was the little minute things that caused them to lose the game. You win the rebounding margin. That's great. You miss seven free throws. That's seven points in hell. Let's just say they can't be 100%. Let's say they make five more free throws. The Hawks lose 104-101. You win the game. There were some big free throws down the stretch they missed. 20 team turnovers, seven in the fourth quarter. Those 20 turnovers led to 19 points for the Philadelphia 76ers. You cut that down by five, that could be the difference in the game. I know there's some people who listen to this program who are Georgia football supporters. Everybody knows I'm an LSU fan. You have the SEC championship coming up this weekend. And you're looking at LSU like, how did you lose to Texas A&M? They've only won four games going into that game. Little details. One turnover that gave you seven points. I disciplined defensively, gap integrity defensively, 
to have the discipline to stay in the rush lanes to keep running backs contained in missed tackles. Minute details that lead to an unfavorable outcome if you do not execute. That is on part coaching, player discipline, and player IQ. So that's why I'm saying that there are there's blame to go all around for the Hawks situation. The, the turnovers. Partially that is because of the offensive system that they're in. When it's limited and you're making it easy for the defense just to guard two players instead of the whole team, that is on the coaching staff. That is on the head coach, your philosophy, your offensive system. And then because you're pressing, you have players doing more than what's required, causing turnovers. That's on the player. There's blame to go all around. And that's why I say it's about 40%, maybe 42% Nate Miller. Plenty of blame to go around for everybody. So, missed free throws, turnovers, points in the paint, which, I mean, it's great to have Capella back. Capella made a difference. Even though Joel Embiid still scored 30 points, having Clint Capella was a huge difference for this team. For all you guys continue to say that it needs to be Okongu at the center, hell no. Not not after we saw the two games prior to the Philadelphia game, no. Not yet. I think he's a four. I don't think he's a five. He's not as big and as tall as the centers you need in this NBA today. It is what it is. I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers had three players score over 20 points. Tobias Harris, who had a really good game, 24 points, 10 rebounds, hit some big threes. Joel Embiid, 30 points, 50% from the floor, 12 of 13 from the free throw line, eight rebounds, seven assists, two steals, two blocks. And Shake Milton, who was virtually unstoppable, getting downhill and getting to the rim, 21 points, 9 of 20 shooting from the floor, only attempted one three-pointer, made that one three-pointer. At a seven assists, five rebounds. De'Anthony Melton gave them nine. George Niang off the bench gave them nine with three three-pointers. Had some contributions off the bench. The Hawks really played well. But the little minute details is what got them beat. I mean, the Hawks had six players in double digits. Six. To the Philadelphia Sixers, three. It was balanced scoring. John Collins had 13 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 4 blocks. He had a good game outside of some little things as far as execution-wise down the stretch that you guys crucify him for. Now you want him traded. He's not the full problem. He had a good game. He had your second highest plus minus outside of Forrest off the bench. Who, who had a pretty good game off the bench with four points, adding two steals, two assists, and three rebounds. Did have two turnovers, but hey, he's a young guy, G League player, who's giving some energy and some effort and playing instead of Aaron Holiday. He played admirable in the spots that he played. So John Collins is not the full problem. How we use John Collins is, or lack thereof. DeAndre Hunter had a pretty solid game, 18 points. 7-11 shooting from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3, 2 of 3 from 
the three-point line. Now, I'll go back to John Collins, four of eight from the free throw line when you're a really good free throw shooter. That is a problem. You miss four free throws, especially some key free throws down the stretch. Uncharacteristic of John Collins. But back to DeAndre Hunter. Pretty good game. 18 points, three rebounds, three assists. Two turnovers, though. A lot of turnovers as a team. Clint Capella, 10 points, 16 rebounds. 12 on the defensive end, 4 on the offensive end. 4 of 9 from the floor, but hey, I mean, he's coming back from injury. Even though it was dental pain, I mean, hey, you still got to get back in rhythm. But played 33 minutes. Was not bad in those 33 minutes. Trey Young, pretty efficient from the floor. 18 points. Could have scored a little bit more, but hey, he was really trying to get everybody else involved, and that was accomplished. 18 points, 6 of 14 shooting from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3. Hit all five free throw attempts. He didn't get to the free throw line enough, in my opinion. But he hit all five of his free throw attempts. He's not the problem there. 10 assists. Three turnovers. Three turnovers is not bad for uh, Trey Young. I'll take that. He had the one costly one down the stretch on that lob. But, I mean... Not a terrible game from Trey Young. Maybe he need a little bit more scoring from him. He has to find that balance. And that's why I continue to say a couple steps forward, a couple steps back. He's still trying to figure this out with DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, when you look at the numbers, 17 points, not terrible. 6 of 13 shooting from the floor, not bad. 3 of 6 from 3, not bad at all. Hit both of his free throw attempts. 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. 7 turnovers. Seven turnovers from DeJounte Murray. That was a killer. He just seemed out of sorts. He, and he's been, outside of a Houston game, he's been kind of out of sorts lately. And that's something that needs to be figured out sooner rather than later. Maybe an inferior opponent in the Orlando Magic helped that. But, I mean, hey, we got to do what we can. We have to do what we can to get better. And people crucify Justin Holiday because of the Kevin Herter trade and how well Kevin Herter's been doing in Sacramento. He had 16 points. He was the spark off the bench you needed. Six of eight shooting from the floor, four or five from three. He played well. A.J. Griffin did not shoot well. He was one of six from the floor, only three points. One of his worst shooting performances as a Hawk. He still had one steal, though. He's still giving effort on the defensive end. Okongu, who you guys think is better than Capella, in 15 minutes, only 15 minutes, played. He only had two points, two rebounds, one assist, one block, two turnovers, three fouls. Not great. There's something off with this team. And I feel like it's on the coaching staff to... Work on offensive sets. I mean, it may be too little too late or they just need some time to kind of figure and work this thing out. I continue to go back to the Golden State Warriors example with Kevin Durant. Steph Curry in the podcast with J.J. Reddick said that it took the Christmas Day game for it all to click. Maybe the Hawks need a little bit more time. Maybe fans need a little bit more patience. I think they do need a little bit more patience. But this Hawks team does need a sense of urgency. The staff and players alike. That's something that they need to come together on. A sense of urgency to right the ship and end this three-game skid. And I'll talk a little bit about it later. There's some 
there's a lot of winnable games in the month of December. A lot of winnable games. This could be the month they take off. But I feel like you need to close the month of December strong against the Orlando Magic. You have to do that tonight. You're a six-point favorite on the road. Orlando is not a good team. They have some talented players. They have some matchup fits. But they're not a good team. You should win this game. Hell, you should have won against Houston, Miami. You should have beat Philly. I'll give the Cleveland game. Like I said, the Hawks have lost four of the last five. They should have won four of the last five. And on the flip side, the Magic have lost the last five games in a row. They're going to be looking to get out their slump too. So tonight is about who wants it more, who has more of a sense of urgency, and who is going to execute the best out of these two teams. I hope for our sake it's the Hawks. So they can move to 5-6 and six on the road, 12-10 and 10 overall, creep up in the Eastern Conference standings and feel a little bit better before going into the month of December. Like I said, that has some favorable scheduling for the Hawks compared to the month of November, which I thought they didn't do terrible, but they lost some games they should have won in the month of November against winnable opponents. Injury is not an excuse this year. It's not. Bogey's been upgraded to doubtful. He's slowly coming back. Jalen Johnson is out right now with some knee soreness, but hey, um, he doesn't have a high usage rate right now. There's not a lot of excuses for this Hawks team, so they got to look within themselves to make this right. And I continue to look ahead at December as I have the schedule up right now. Outside of Denver, you have OKC who's been playing well, but that's a winnable game. On the road against New York, winnable. On the road against Brooklyn, depends on if Brooklyn brings defense that night, but certainly you have a chance to win that game. Chicago, who's not the greatest at home. You should win that one. On the road at Memphis, that's going to be a tough one. On the road against Orlando, you should win that one. On the road against Charlotte, you should win that one. At home against Orlando, you better win that one. At home against Chicago again. If you split those two, it is what it is. But I think you should win both of those games against Chicago at home. Detroit at home, you should win. On the road against Indiana, they're playing well. You should beat them. At home against Brooklyn, you got to protect home court. And at home against the Lakers, you should beat the Lakers. You should. There's a lot of winnable games that I mentioned. I mean, our toughest games are on the road against Memphis, at home against Denver, a potential road game in Brooklyn. And I will go ahead and say one of the two contests against the Bulls and the Lakers. In hindsight. Oh, everything else is winnable. I think it starts tonight. They need to look at the start of this next month tonight against Orlando. You win against Orlando, you end the three-game losing streak. You have a travel day. You come back to Atlanta on Friday to take on Denver at home against a sellout crowd, probably. But it should be a sellout crowd. It's Denver. And I think you feel a little bit better about things. So we'll see there. Um, if you love what you heard from me today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it, tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know the drill. Share it, fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans, does not matter. Season is gearing up. College football is winding down. 
NFL is almost coming to a conclusion. They have the month of December before, obviously, playoffs hits. People are going to be shifting their eyes to the Hawks basketball sooner rather than later. So before that shift happens, put your friends on this program to kind of get them into the narrative and the storyline as far as how this season is going so they can jump in and kind of know where this team is at. And where else can they follow us? You already know the drill on Twitter at Ethos Hawks. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And to follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jared67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-67. We'll catch you guys next time. Praying for a Hawks win over the Magic, which feels weird even saying because we shouldn't pray to beat the Magic. We should beat the Magic, but it's just a catechism of how this season has gone. Ups and downs. Hopefully there's an up tonight. We'll catch up with you guys next episode.